Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. Segment number two here in MNCAA, again, episode number 103. It's time to talk to our good old friend, Max Feach, on all things NCHC. Max, great to have you back, my friend. Uh, it's Monday. Um, it's starting to feel like mid-February, and that oh, yeah. could be good or bad for a number of different reasons. But uh, welcome back here, my friend. Happy to be here. Uh, wish it was under more fun and exciting circumstances, but... Getting to talk hockey is uh, is something that I'll always take the opportunity to do. So looking forward to it as always. It's always good. Uh, the conference itself, and we're going to get into you know some of the games this weekend. Uh, half the teams last week in the conference had bye weeks. Essentially, it was flip-flopped if you played last weekend, you're off this weekend. Uh, your Bulldogs were off last weekend. They continued play this weekend. Um, yeah. Uh, Max, there was a glimmer of hope. There was, and I and I actually truly mean that, but I'm not sure if there's as much of a glimmer of hope after this weekend in terms of not that they lost, Max. And I, I think I want to I think we both want to make this clear. It's not that you lose, it's maybe more so how. Yeah, I, I would say that um and, and we'll just talk about Friday right now for, for all intents and purposes, because I think that is a good um, representation of of some of the struggles that UMD has been going through as a whole, and there are a whole different slew of issues to talk about on Saturday as well, which we can get get into too. Um, but to start off, like starting in a two goal hole against a you know offensive minded team like Denver, not great. Battling back to get a tie game, giving it up almost immediately for another two goal deficit, being down four two, going late into the third, also feels pretty bad. You get all this momentum from, you know, two late goals, extra attacker goals, which UMD has struggled with this year, to be frank. Um, I think they were nine or three and nine going into the weekend with one of the teams having an extra attacker on whether or not they came out as, as successful. And that includes both having the lead and giving it up and trying to take a lead and being unsuccessful there as well. But regardless, scoring two extra attacker goals late in the game to force overtime against Denver when you're trying to play spoiler and, you know, there's a, a ton of animosity still lingering between these two teams from the last couple of years to just give up um, essentially a, a free, you know, run at your goalie in overtime there is something I have not seen from this team. I, I haven't seen it in organized hockey above like the peewee level in years. So uh, I, I'm not 100% sure what happened there. I don't know if it was, you know, Steve's thinking that, a whistle had blown somewhere or that he was supposed to be switching with somebody because there was a little bit of shuffling in, with, with Denver in the neutral zone there or what the issue was. But when we saw, you know, Denver coming in, I think it was Thompson that scored that at overtime winner, maybe I'm mistaking and mixing it up because he just put so many in the net this weekend anyway. But even when that mistake was noticed, nobody was like sprinting, rushing back and trying to rectify a problem. Um, even, even if, you know, he shot it into stay pads, he would have been there to get the rebound all by himself because there was nobody around to even, you know, fight for a puck should it have been stopped. And so 
it was something that I just, there's no excuses for. And to see your team battle back and get all that momentum going into overtime and then just give up like that is something that I, I can't really stand behind or justify or whatever. And like I said, maybe there's more going into it than I'm aware of, but as an observer, it was baffling. Uh, I, I just have no no real words for it. Go go look it up if you haven't seen it yet. I, I, I cannot explain what happened. I don't think really anybody can, Max, just because uh, this is it's it signals other issues, right? And it signals maybe some discombobulation off the ice. Now, we're not suggesting we know that's the case, right? But it doesn't. Correct. The optics don't look great. Um, and if there's and I'm pretty sure Scott Sandlin was pretty pointed after Friday's loss. Uh, he didn't necessarily directly address uh, the overtime winner, but you can sense the frustrations there. Um, now, the bigger question from a fan's perspective is having seen this and having their perspective be what it is, right? Whether that's right or wrong, I think is, you know, worth extra digging into. And I think we'll probably know more after the season's done. But Max, there has been more of a volume rise in the questions surrounding Scott Sandlin. I think you and I sit in the same page. I'm not quite as high on that same podium as maybe some of the other fan bases. But I think there is a question of what is happening with this particular team, because you do have some good players on this squad, but why is it that some of the ways that you've been losing have been happening? And again, Friday night's loss in the manner it happened has just created more of a buzz and energy around the issues surrounding this team. Yeah, I'll go into a couple of positives, and there's only a couple of them right now, and then I'll, I'll go into some of the other stuff that you're kind of alluding to there, um, as far as I understand it anyway. And I'm not connected or tied to the program. I've got very limited information I'm working with. But um, positives. Friday, uh, you, you see a guy like uh, Gallatin. He assisted on all four of UMD's goals as a guy that you know works his bag off trying to make some, some things happen for the team. Um, and gets rewarded, um, you know, in the Apple column on there and, and you know, maintains, I think he's second on the team in points, obviously right behind Steve's there. Um, yeah, 25 points, five goals, 20 assists. It's it's a, a crucial and critical part of the team. So having guys like that is something that Sandlin wants and any coach is going to want in, in, you know, college hockey. So um, shout out to him for putting in a, a hell of an effort and getting those pucks where they need to be. Um, the second highlight, um, UMD killed off 21 technically called penalty minutes on on Friday night and one of those is a, a seven minute you know start to end no breaks in between penalty and to have that against a, a team like Denver is something to hang your hat on and be proud of now there's going to be people saying you know they didn't have Massimo Rizzo and everything else which is true however he's not the only person that scores on that team you've got Z Buyum and all these other you know high caliber players that UMD just shut down. They they were the better defensive team all weekend. They just weren't able to to be a better offensive team. And you know when they had breakdowns, they were bad bad breakdowns. And it was pretty hard for Denver not to capitalize on those when they had the chances. So it's not all bad. It's not like you know Sandlin is losing the structure of his team when they're playing the way that they should be. You get games and you get situations like that where they're able to overcome a massive hill. Um, but it's not always like that. And, and I think on Friday, he was even, you know, um, quoted as saying he was proud of the guys for battling back and um, they could have gotten out of hand and this, that, and the other thing. And they did. They battled back twice from a deficit there. 
um, that just fell apart in overtime, as we just discussed there. Um, and then you get into that Saturday game of the series where, you know, your tensions are high already, um, but you get into some of the stuff that's um, been plaguing UMD all year. Um, they gave up a goal in the first minute for the second weekend in a row. And I think at least, the, I know at least the third time this year, probably fourth. Um, and then not only do you give up an, an early and quick goal like that, but you're down three goals um, in six and a half. It's under seven minutes. So putting yourself in another hole against a team like this is insane. Like it's it's not a winning strategy and it's not something that he really stands for. And it's it's tough to kind of battle out of that. UMD tried, they got two back um, and it seemed like they had quite a bit of momentum. And then it kind of fell apart as soon as Denver's fourth goal went in you know, kind of all of the air went out of the building and it was there was not a lot happening on the, the UMD offensive front there. And that's when we started to see these penalties getting called in the third period there. So 21 penalty minutes on Friday. Technically, you had 28 on uh, on UMD's Saturday's performance as well. So we're talking 49 called penalty minutes on UMD in a weekend of hockey. That, that's insane. Um, you know, three majors, three 10-minute misconducts called against UMD hasn't happened in college hockey all year do i think all three of them should have been called no do i think that on friday luke bass when he's battling in front of the net and they're both kind of hacking at each other do i think that they should have been taken off together and given coincidental minors absolutely refs didn't call it and then just only called one penalty instead of um you know a major and a minor both ways they, they just called it one way it is what it is you move on to saturday and you get a frustrated Steve's coming out of the box. And, you know, he says one thing to the refs and they're softer than they've ever been right back in, give him a 10 minute misconduct. And it's something that UMD has not dealt with in the past. It's been a more structured team where you don't have those little outbursts. But I think when you're playing in a situation where you're always feeling like you're having to claw back, you get some more of that emotion bubbling up and out. Um, and you see some of those um, uncharacteristic UMD misconducts being called. And that's where I think um, Sandlin lost it. And his direct quote, I've, I've got it here, was, uh, if they don't learn, it's not going to bode well. I don't care about winning and losing. You know what? You never disrespect the program. And that's what it is. It's kind of the culture that he's brought there. Um, and, and it's not how they've been taught to play. It's not how he has allowed players to play in the past. So um, there's probably some changes coming. I, I don't know if they're going to be, you know, pretty massive changes to those high performers. But um in structure and everything else we'll see how it shakes out um uh, but it's it's certainly not sitting well um with uh the the bench captain uh for for umd there no it isn't and uh and to, to reference that quote max you know when he talks when you're talking about a coach not disrespecting the program in terms of the play on the ice tells you how his emotions are as well yeah. right and i think again and we've said it from the top of this of this segment here it's it's not that umd is losing and granted it's been a tough year for the bulldogs but it's now yeah. more so how you're doing it um right. now glimmer of hope right because we we try to put some positive spin on this and now granted it's a little bit more difficult with the results but max you're 26 in the pairwise that's tough yep What's also well, tough before you next... continue, and I want oh, you to ahead. continue here because you're going on here. They're 26 in the pairwise still after being swept two weekends in a row. They were 25th in the pairwise after they had just swept Miami. So that kind of goes to show the caliber of of teams that they're going up against here, and it's not going to get any easier for them. But 
to get swept two weekends in a row and move one spot down in the pairwise. Um, they came away with one point against Denver. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that um, they got nothing out of it, but not much. Um, no. And so to only drop that much is, is really showing how strong the conference is. Um, and, you know, credit to those other teams to finding a way to win. And UMD, like you mentioned, they're, they're that close to winning some of these games. Um, they're just, it's undisciplined hockey at times. It's bad bounces at times. It's, um, inability to 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 get opportunities in the back of the net. I, I don't know what it is, but it's all kind of stacking up one after another here. So, um, yeah, they are at 26, though. That is going to be mathematically eliminated from getting an at-large um, NCAA playoff spot. So they're they're limited to to winning the NCHC uh, postseason tournament if they want to get their way into postseason hockey. And it's going to be a matter of figuring out a way in these next three weekends to get some sort of cohesive plan in place and having to execute it well. It's a it's a tough road, but it's not impossible. Um, yeah. And side note to your point, why I believe Miami won't be leaving the NCHC minus the million dollar buyout. You know, when you're yeah. at a good conference and I think it's a tougher situation in Miami, we could go on that topic for a while. Um, I just... Yeah. There to me, there's more to lose by leaving the NCHC than there is to gain, but that's just me. Um, so let's kind of recap where the NCHC is because, um, Max, we do have to talk about the other series a little bit. We're gonna oh, say yeah. that here for just a second. Uh, but the Bulldogs still in seventh, uh, 21 points, uh, North Dakota 37. That didn't change from last week. Yes, we're gonna get we're gonna get to that. Uh, St. Cloud at 36 at number two, Colorado College at 33. Denver at 31. The Battle of the Gold Pan now looks pretty good. Watch, watch TV here in a couple of weeks. So Western Michigan 29. Yeah, right. Um, Omaha 23. And then, as we mentioned, UMD Miami sitting at eighth. Unfortunately, the NCHC still having some trouble in conference play, only at six points. Uh, yep. Was a promising start for Miami to the non conference, and the wheels unfortunately came off during the conference play. But uh, Max, I, I think the the big A topic, as uh, our friend Paul Allen, a K fan, would say here on the Twin Cities, is not only did CC sweep North Dakota, they for mopped the second the time this floor. year. They yeah. mopped the floor with them, and we have been high. And when I say we, I mean myself. I know you've been high on them. I go back to a year ago, um, even before they made a, a probably more of a punching above their weight class run at the NCHC title game. You could see the pieces, much like St. Thomas has been, coming together, the right coach. They had the right yep. recruiting staff coming in. This team has hit its stride. And not only that, but they're the biggest movers in the pairways. They've jumped, from, I think, from 17 or 16 to 11. They're now in an at-large bid situation. Yeah. And more and more than that, Max, you talk about a team that nobody, and I mean nobody, would want to play in the NCHC right now, and that's the Tigers of Colorado College. Uh, your thoughts on the 13-3 outscoring drubbing that the Tigers put on the Fighting Hawks this past weekend? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, the Mike Richter Award finalists were announced last week. And, you know, to nobody's surprise, Caden Embarico's name was on there. Um, I think that this past weekend was a, a really good resume builder for him. And they should just, they Sign being it. Colorado College, yeah. They Sign should it, just, honestly. <laughs> yeah, throw honestly. that on a highlight reel and 
play it over and over again for the, the the committee there because he stole those games. And I shouldn't say stole them because the offense did their job as well. Yeah. Um, but they, he specifically had a phenomenal series and the offense just had a, a, a great series as well. And they just kind of led to what you said, the drubbing there. So um, to, to that point, um, on, on the opposite side of that scale, you've got a team like Wisconsin that had – who many, including myself, thought was going to be the the Ricker front runner there, um, get swept from a a team that hadn't won in the Big Ten all year in Ohio. So um, I would say that it is going to be a much more in you know exciting race to see who wins that that goaltender award at the end of the year there. But Embarico has a a really really good shot at it if he can keep any sort of semblance of of what we saw this past weekend against North Dakota going. Um, down the stretch here and I, I think if that's the case he would deserve every bit of it in, in my opinion 100 percent. and I, I don't think honestly at this point at least from my perspective unless Colorado College does not get to St. Paul if they stumble somehow in the quarterfinals to me he's the front runner of that award I just yep. I just I don't see another goaltender that has the resume because you mentioned North Dakota I mean Saturday's game was much closer. It was what I think within one, if not tied after two between the Tigers and the fighting Hawks. And then CC explodes for four goals in the third to kind of just pull away. Um, Mind you, your Bulldogs are going to see a very salty North Dakota squad this next weekend. So that's talk about emotions, uh, getting the better of you. That could be tough to keep some emotions in check with uh, a fighting Hawks team that uh, got a reality check uh, from a very good CC team, by the, by the way. Um, but at, but at the end of it, you know, Max, when we look at the pairwise, the NCHC right now has five teams, right? North Dakota, Denver, Western Michigan, technically, CC, yes, technically St. Cloud, yes. It's, three tied for eleven, and two of them being um, St. Cloud and Colorado. And technically, Colorado is higher on that list right now. Correct. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's there's five in there. If all of your top seeds win their conference tournaments, they would all be in. Yeah, they would. And you know, St. Cloud is in in danger tor- territory. We talked about this last week. Um, so I, I want to spend a little bit of time with the Huskies, if if you can swallow that with me. Just for bear sure. with me here for a minute. Yeah, um, but you know. It's a it's not an, an easy schedule for the Huskies either. They no. are at home against Western Michigan, who they swept in Lawson, by the way, early in their season. They hadn't done that yep. in some time. Um, and then they have to then play Denver. And then they finish off, as we normally do, regular season. Series finale is always between the Battle of the Dogs. This year happens to be up in Duluth at Amsoil. Um, if Duluth is looking for a springboard, though, how about this? I mean, because Granted, you know, the, the top four to me, which with the point totals, that's not completely all set in stone, right? Uh, right. There could still be a lot of movement there. So um, I'm not saying the Bulldogs could play spoiler or they should be. I don't think that's the right mentality because you the Bulldogs have surprised us, surprised us in the past, right? Am I expecting that yeah. under this particular squad this year? Not necessarily, but you never know. Um right. In your opinion, Max, I, we talked about this with me and Noah show there just earlier this week. I think the Huskies have to get at least three or four from Denver and Western Michigan. And this is not sure. only just to get them back in the swing of things. They've had one regulation win since the winter break or two yep. now. It's it's not been great. Uh, it's It's been tough. Uh, 
Three, you have to then take care of business both nights against Minnesota Duluth. Um, do you, am I right on that math or does, is there another way for the Huskies to get themselves in a better spot for the pairwise of an at large bit if they don't win the NCHC uh, frozen faceoff? Yeah, I, I would say that they need to go 500 um, through the rest of the regular season and make it to the second round of the NCHC playoffs. And they're still probably in just because of the strength of schedule and the teams that they're playing with the, with the, you know, the remainder of what they've got in front of them here. Um, do I think that they would feel safe at 500 with that? No, not by any means. No. Um, but, um, but I think the math works out where they, they would be right at that line. And, you know, that's not to say that they couldn't get cut out of the cut line should some of these underdogs win those, those other, um, conferences. So if they do want to feel safe, yeah, I, I think they got to win, you know, three quarter of their remaining games. Um, and you're still probably only going to be in that, you know, uh, 10th to 12th range just given how many you know teams are above them and what they end up doing the rest of the year. So um, if everybody else above them keeps winning, it's going to be really, really hard to move up, even with a stronger strength schedule, just given the way that the math works out there. So yeah, you're, I, I think you nailed it there with, with what they need to do. And I think the guys on that team know it as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see um, going and getting a, another regulation win, like you said, is going to be huge for that program and the guys that are on the team because they just haven't done it uh, very frequently lately and you know having a, a little bit of time off here as well I don't know if it helps or hurts makes them more anxious or not or what's going through the locker room there and you know you've probably got a little bit more access to to Larson and some of the people in the program that have a little bit better check on the pulse there but if it was me as as a fan if if and maybe you can speak to that as well as a fan it it, it makes me nervous to see I just want to see the you know the wheels get in motion and that train rolling a little bit before we get into games that really really matter. Not that any of these don't, given the circumstances we just talked about, but I, I would want to see it before I started getting any sort of a hopes up. So let, let's work backwards, right? Um, number one, um, I, I think you're right that St. Cloud A. They I think they have to be right now. It's playoff hockey, hundred yeah. um, percent. You have to take a day out, day in, day out. Number two was St. Cloud. Everybody wants to forget. Unfortunately, here we don't, which is good and bad. Um, yeah. Their non-conference schedule was, shall I say, abysmal. Yeah, not great. And then what happened? They had a break. And they came out of the break and they righted the ship. So to me, they've done well with breaks when they haven't been, shall we say, running on all cylinders, as you said, right? Mm -hmm. um, to me, this break comes at a perfect time. Because from here on out, minus anything that could happen in the quarterfinals of the NCHC, you're playing hockey every single weekend until your season's done, effectively, sure. right? So, and I, I think you can make the argument that, you know, there's some tension there. I think there obviously is, because you know what the math is. You know, what's what's not pretend that the players and the coaching staff don't know it. They absolutely do, because you have to know what you're facing in order to be best prepared for it, right? Um, at the end of it, this is also last season, granted, different roster, different circumstances, where they also caught fire a bit, too. They started to figure it out right. towards the last couple of weeks of the season. Then they really went on a pretty good run, ended up winning the NCHC tournament. Um, and unfortunately, that momentum didn't get them too much farther than that. But if you're going to right the ship, it's got to be now, right? right? It just has to be. So, um, again, you have Western Michigan, which is above you. You have Denver, which is above you. 
three or four from that goes a long way because my sure. fear is so you go 500, which isn't bad against those two squads. Right. And then Duluth being at 26, which isn't terrible, but a loss against Duluth, again, as we know how the pairwise works, you're more likely to slide down much easier than you are to move up. Again, For the sure. programs at the top are much uh, better this year, in my opinion, Max. Um, I think that would do St. Cloud a big detriment. So yep. um, it's tough. I don't know how to really read it. We're going to know pretty quick this weekend how this team responds. I will be in the building against Western Michigan. I actually will be, um, I suppose I can announce this, I will be shadowing CBS this weekend up with Alex Heiner. Oh, and nice. Starman. Congratulations. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So I won't be on camera. I won't be on the mic, but um, yeah. it's been a, a conversation um, that's been going on for the past week or so. Um, so very excited to learn from um, a really, really great broadcaster and a really great human being in Alex Heinart too. So really yeah. excited about that. More so to also watch some hockey. You know, that could yeah. be good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Max, to kind of finish off here as we wrap up the NCHC, mm-hmm. are you surprised at where we're at right now? Because it's it's been kind of an according in the standings, right? There's been times where we thought, okay, things are going to pull away. Then they kind of yep. come back. We thought last week, all right, here we go. It's going to pull away again. And here we are back again. We're back to sort of the compression side. Um, do you see any one team in the NCHC? And maybe we'll go out with both ways. We'll finish with this. Yep, yep. One team that is going to continue to rise that maybe we didn't expect preseason. And is there a team that you're looking at right now that's the most vulnerable to be slipping down? Ooh, um, I know I'm making continue. you think here. The last, <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> continue to rise. I think it would be hard to say anybody other than Colorado College, just because they've got the most um, uh, capacity to rise in front of them. It's hard to say North Dakota is going to rise ahead of one in the NCHC standings. There's not not a lot of room to go there. Um, so yeah, Colorado College. I think if they continue to play the way that they have been offensively, and you know, Embarico is an average night for him, which is well above average for college hockey. They'll, they'll be in a really, really good spot to, to carry some of this momentum into the postseason. And at this point, I think they have to be a postseason team. Um, so yeah, Colorado college, easy answer there. And this is going to sound crazy as a, a UMD fan after this weekend. Uh, I think Denver has the biggest opportunity to slip up and maybe that's not in the NCHC regular season or even the NCHC um, you know, tournament playoffs here uh, because there aren't a ton of really offensive focused teams here. But if they run into one of those, you know, high power teams, whether it be a, a BC or one of the big 10 teams that's got a bunch of shooters on their, their squad or something like that in, um, in the NCAA tournament, I think they could be in a, in a world of hurt because um, UMD not known for, you know, getting, or keeping up with teams on shots or whatever. I, I think they were only four or five shots below what Denver was in this past weekend. And they were allowed to come back late in games. And it, it just seems like there was a lot of defensive breakdowns and, and things to take advantage of um, for one of those more high powered teams on a, a team like Denver. And, you know, they're sitting, I think it's uh, where are they at fifth overall in the pairwise right now. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, so I, yeah, it, it's it seems like it would be pretty. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't say it's easy. I would not be shocked to see them, you know, kind of get uh, get the doors blown off by somebody that is technically below them in the pairwise, just because of that that offensive power that some of these other teams have got and some defensive structure help 
that they need as it stands right now, or as I just saw it. So, um, yeah, uh, Colorado College uh, arrow up, Denver arrow down potentially. I don't, I don't think there's any sort of momentum for them going down right now. And you know, they've got again, if they if they get the you know six or seven goals scored on them, that's not to say that they can't score six or seven themselves, especially with you know Rizzo if he comes back. But um, I, I would say if they do struggle one night and they run into one of those teams, it, it would not shock me to see them uh, lose one of those boat race games. It's definitely going to be a different postseason outlook for Denver. Um, the yep. last couple of seasons, they've been at the top of the NCHC, approaching it you know, with, shall we say, the bigger goal in mind. Um, yep. This year, a little bit different in that, uh, as you mentioned, that gold pan, uh, the home and home that cap off the regular season of the NCHC it's going to be some pretty dang good hockey there down in Colorado. Yeah. So definitely going to be watching that. Max Feech, thank you so much again, as always. Um, speaking of a crowded field, uh, it is getting even more crowded with our friends here with the CCHA. They're going to talk about it with us here next on MNCAA.